us to just be in your presence just one more time. Father, now I pray that let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, Lord. Speak to me and through me, Father, that I may deliver your message that you have given me to your people. Father, allow them to open up their hearts and their minds that they may receive this message, for there is a word from you. In Jesus' name, amen. First and foremost, giving honor to God, um, Pastor Pickett, my mentor, my friend, my pastor. Y'all know how I feel about Pastor Pickett. I can't say enough about him. And then my fellow clergy coach, and I got Dr. Williams and Joe and uh, Pastor Trudell and Harris. I just can't say enough about our team. This is the A team up here. Amen. Uh, I just want to let y'all know that. Amen, somebody. Uh, I also like to recognize, you know, uh, I look out and I, I make sure I always call my aunts. And uh, my, my Auntie Bessie and Mary, they, are, they always come there in the back. Raise your hand. And But I'm, I'm excited to see my Auntie Ruby showed up here. Look at it. Go ahead and raise your hand, Auntie. Uh, yeah. I, I, told, I mentioned her name and they got her. Those are, those are my aunts. Amen. That's, that's Deacon Cunningham aunts, too, y'all know that. <laughs> Amen. And then, of course, I, I want to recognize my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law, especially my sister-in-law who joined the church last Sunday. She rededicated her life. Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, that's, that's, that's and that's her husband, Clarence, a good friend of ours. Amen. And then, of course, y'all know I can't forget Mama. Uh, I got a lot of them, but that's my mama there, y'all. Amen. And I, I'll t- to tell y'all a story uh, later on. Amen. And then, uh, of course, uh, last but not least, um, I call her my breath of fresh air. Amen. And that's that's my wife, uh, Eastland. So let's get into the word. Our scripture this evening comes from Matthew 26, 20 through 29. I want to just read. 26 through 29 and as they were eating Jesus took bread blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink from it all of you for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remissions of sin but I say to you I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. My sermon topic for today is entitled A Carpenter's Journey, Lessons from the Table. Let me just say that A Carpenter's Journey, Lessons from the Table. If you would just allow me just for a little while to walk you alongside Jesus, a carpenter by trade as he makes his journey to the cross. You see, his journey was a journey of preparation and restoration for our salvation. Let me just say that his journey was one of preparation and restoration for our salvation. You you, you see, uh, we find that during Holy Week, we begin with Palm Sunday. Jesus starts a journey that began at his birth. I'm here to tell you, you see, Christ was sent in this world 
to save the world. John 3.17 tells us that for God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So you see, my brothers and sisters, Jesus' journey began at birth, and now we find Jesus at around the age 32 or 33 on the last part of his journey to save a sinner's world. I'm going to say this again. Since uh, his birth, Jesus was on a quest to save a dying world. Amen, somebody. But like the skilled carpenter that he was, if I may use a few metaphors, uh, it took time for the tree to be transformed into a cross that would eventually hold the physical body of Jesus Christ. Uh, I know somebody will get that uh, when they get home. Uh, I said it once again. Uh, it took uh, like uh, it, it took uh, it took some time for the tree to be transformed into a cross that would eventually hold the physical body of Jesus Christ. Amen. Somebody, listen, listen. Along a carpenter's journey, we find the scripture that there was a preparation that took place. You see, the preparation had to be followed to the T. No deviations allowed. You see, what I learned about a carpenter through my working with Deacon Granger is that you measure twice and you cut once instead of once and coming up short. You, you see, for Jesus, there was no redos. I just need you to understand that Jesus was on a carpenter's journey toward Calvary's cross by way of the communion table. Uh, 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 listen, listen, Pastor Pickett has said it, it in numerous sermons uh, time and time again that we often want to bypass Jesus' journey and go straight to the cross. Uh, well, Pastor Pickett's Easter Sunday sermon will get us to the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection, but we must journey with Jesus as he makes his way toward the cross. Uh, there was a process and a journey, a roadmap that Jesus was on that was leading him directly to Golgotha's Hill. I, I want to point out two significant events that took place during Jesus' last week as he journeyed to the cross, as well as highlight several lessons Jesus taught us on his way to Calvary. I, I promise I won't be too long, but I get goosebumps when I think about the journey and the process. You see, Good Hope Jesus' journey was a process, and the table was part of the preparation for a grand celebration that would shatter all expectations of mankind's imagination for our salvation. I know that done mess you up, so let me say that one more time. I know that done mess somebody up, so let me say it one more time and break it down. I said that Jesus' journey was a process, and the table was part of a preparation for a celebration uh, with, uh, with that would shatter expectations of mankind's imagination about our salvation. Uh, what, I, well, what are you saying, Pastor Stephen? What I'm saying is this, that it's about salvation through Jesus' preparation and God's expectation for mankind's participation. We, you see, my brothers and sisters, we have to do our part in understanding that uh, the purpose of the table was so that we would never forget the cost of salvation. Amen, somebody. 
even though it was given to us freely, Jesus paid the price. You see, somebody had to pick up the tab. Y'all, y'all know how it is uh, uh, when you're out to dinner with a group of people in the chat come. Everybody picking up their water and looking the other way. Y'all know how we do that. Uh, somebody got to go to the bathroom and they uh, got to get some out their person. Nobody trying to pick the check up. But I tell you what, what Jesus did was Jesus just reached down and picked the check up and then he cashed the check. Amen, somebody. A uh, 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 bottom line is that Jesus just in this one day Thursday, Jesus was able to teach us a lesson for a lifetime. Teach us a lesson for a lifetime. You see, these events took place on Thursday and was part of the preparation for Jesus' physical and spiritual journey up Golgotha to Calvary's cross. Uh, 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 the two events I'm talking about that took place was Jesus' last supper with the disciples before his crucifixion, which is called communion, and the wash of the disciples' feet to include Judas. Uh, uh, so we find in Matthew chapter 26 that Jesus is having dinner with the disciples. If you can just go back 2,000 years, I want you to walk with me some 2,000 years ago, Jesus knowing uh, what's coming, and he's having this meal with all 12 of his disciples, and you know, uh, including Judas. So, so, so we find in Matthew 26 that he's having dinner with the disciples. Uh, the significance, uh, for, this is significant for several reasons. First, Jesus knows what is going to take place and must let the disciples know that um, he will soon be betrayed by one of them. Verse 20 says that when evening had come, he sat down with the 12. Uh, 21 says, now as they were eating, he said, oh, surely. That means uh, it will happen. That means, uh, surely, I say to you, one of you will betray me. There are some lessons from the table. Amen, somebody. Lesson one from the table. Uh, uh, lesson one is part of Jesus' preparation was to point out to mankind that despite what people do to us, we must continue to love them. I, I want you to get that, my, my brothers and sisters, uh, someone in your circle, uh, uh, someone at our table, at our job, or even at our church, but I know not good hope might lie on you. Uh, Jesus' lesson here is to continue to love them. I got to tell you what Paul tells us in Romans 12, and 19, uh, he reminds us that vengeance is his, that God said, vengeance is mine. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. He said, I will repay, says the Lord. I stop worrying about getting some get back and just sit back and love on them. Amen, somebody. You see, a lesson of betrayal by a friend can cut us deep. But we must stick to our journey. You, you see, Jesus knew his betrayer. Uh, he walked many miles with him. I need to tell you that Jesus uh, was with the betrayer for three years. Uh, he broke bread often with the betrayer, performed miracles in the presence of the betrayer. And all the time, Jesus knew who his betrayer was and when he would be, be betrayed. Uh, but you know what? Good hope Jesus stayed on his journey. Uh, he's telling us uh, we got to stay on our journey. Now, uh, now, if that had been one of us, uh, Judas would have been cut off 
for a, a long, long time ago. Uh, uh, it would have never gotten to three days, let alone three years. Y'all know I'm talking the truth now here because the minute we found out uh, he would be uh, uh, he found out uh, he or she would have been thrown uh, out or cast out or put out of the circle. Uh, amen, somebody. You know how it is. You know somebody well, going to betray you, but the minute you find out, you're going to throw them out of the circle. You're not going to give them time, let alone stay three days. And Jesus was waiting for three long years of uh, performing miracles and Judas continued to walk with him all this time. Jesus knew what Judas was going to do. Amen, somebody. He is showing us that we must love our enemies. I, I know that's easier said than done. Let's be honest. There are times you want to kick butt and love them afterwards. But uh, Jesus tells us, and y'all come on now, but Jesus tells us in Luke 26 and 27, he said, but I say to you, uh, or who here love your enemies, uh, do good to those who hate you, uh, 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 bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Uh, I know that don't make sense to a lot of us, uh, but as Christians, we got to take that to heart. I know, like I said, if it was up to us, we want to kick the butt first and then come back and ask for forgiveness, but that's not how Jesus played the game. You see, Jesus just threw a wrench in your get some get back. I know that goes against everything of this world. Uh, we live in a world of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but that's not what Jesus is teaching us here. Uh, uh, his example at the table, what I love about Jesus, like a good leader, uh, he is not going to tell us to do something that he's not willing to do for himself. Uh, Jesus was teaching us a lesson of love at this table. I need you to understand that I'm going to stay here just for a little bit because I know how hard it is when somebody lie on you, when somebody stab you in the back, when somebody do things against you. But what Jesus said is you must stand there and continue to love them in spite of. That's what Jesus did for three long years. I, I said we couldn't do it for three minutes, three days, or, or three months. They would have been already gone. We need to stay there and love them in spite of. It says love your enemies and pray for them time and time again. Amen, somebody. Listen, if we keep it 100, if we keep it real, it would have been extremely hard and nearly impossible for some of us or all of us to break bread with a backstabber, liar, and a thief. Come on now. Uh, uh, some of you wouldn't even let him in your door. Uh, 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 you, and if your family member brought him, you wouldn't let him or the family members in the door. Let's just keep it real. But Jesus is saying you need to go ahead and open that door, love on him, and break bread with him. Amen, somebody. Listen, listen. Uh, uh, now, let's, let's let that have been one of us. Judas would not still be sitting at our table, and we probably would have took his plate. He wouldn't get no bread or no wine. Come on now. But Matthew tells us in verse 26. Matthew tells us in verse 26, and, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, eat, take, eat, this is my body. You see, my brothers and sisters, Jesus wanted to show us through this symbolic act what was to transpire. He had told them of the things that he must endure, but now through the symbolism, he could show them the importance of the act of breaking bread and is symbolizing his body that would endure a traumatic beating 
and flesh tearing that would take place. You see, Jesus was trying to prepare those boys for what was to come in the breaking of the body. I heard one pastor say that uh, the blessing was in the breaking. You see, Jesus broke the bread, and, uh, and in the New King James, it said that he gave thanks, and then he broke the bread. There are blessings in the breaking. I need you to understand that the only way God gets our attention sometimes is to allow us to be broken down to the point where we find ourselves eating out of the same trout with the pigs. Uh, uh, Luke 15, 16 tells us that the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Uh, God knows that until we are broken, we are not fully committed to him. Let me say that one more time. God knows until we are totally broken. He's talking about halfway because then we still think we can do it on our own. Sometimes he has to totally break you uh, uh, before you can be totally committed to him. Uh, 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 God knows that until we are broken, we are not fully committed to him. So the symbolism behind the breaking is that the bread represented Jesus as being the bread of life. Uh, Jesus, through this symbolism, was trying to show the disciples what was to come. I need you to get this. Uh, this was going to be one of the most uh, disturbing events ever endured by a single person's body. Uh, listen, uh, folks would be talking about the beating, the badgering, and the broken and bloody body of Jesus for 2,000 years and counting. Uh, lesson one, here we go. The significance of the broken bread is the symbolism of Christ, the bread of life, being broken on the cross for our sins. Another symbolism is the breaking of the bread describes the early church breaking bread as part of the fellowship. Uh, Jesus telling the disciples in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five 25 in the same manner. He also took the cup after supper saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You see, this is a time to come together for fellowship, remembering the sacrifices that Jesus made on Calvary's cross. Not only does Jesus use the table and the breaking of the bread for symbolism, he uses the cup and the wine. In verse 27 through 28 of Matthew 26, Jesus does the following. It says, then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. You see, the symbolism of the cup represents the things contained. I need you to hear that. The symbolism of the cup represents the things contained. The cup contained the fruit of the vine, which in turn was a symbol of the blood of the new covenant. Uh, for, for you see, before Jesus and the cross, mankind used animals when they sinned to offer up sacrifices. But uh, they had to keep on offering up dead animals because the animal blood was not enough and had to be replenish. Uh, in essence, the animal blood dried up, uh, but they tell me, unlike the animal's blood, Jesus' keeps blood keeps on cleansing. Uh, Jesus' blood keeps on flowing. The songwriter said the blood of Jesus reaches the highest mountain. He said that it flows to the lowest valley. I'm talking about the blood that gives us strength from day to day. Uh, they tell me it will never, ever lose 
his power. I need you to understand that's that ever-flowing blood. Uh, Jesus wanted to show the disciples through, the, uh, through, the, that, through this act that this was the new unconditional covenant of grace that would be ratified by his precious blood shed for many in the forgiveness of sin. I don't want you to miss it, my brothers and sisters. I need you to get this. I'm going to slow it down a little because I don't want anyone to miss this. Uh, get out your pen and paper. You see, uh, blood was sufficient to provide forgiveness. I need you to get this now. The blood was sufficient to provide forgiveness for all. I I'm going to say it one more time. His blood was sufficient to provide forgiveness for all. But listen to this. It was shed for many in that it was only affected in removing sin from those who believe. Let me, let me just break that thing down to you. I need you to, I need you to get that now. Uh, I'm going to do it like, I'm going to do it like uh, my pastor, Pastor Pickett said and insert a footnote because I don't want you to miss this thing. Listen, I need you to get this. If you don't get anything else from this message, you need to get this because unless you believe your sins are not forgiven, let me say it that one more time. Unless you believe, I'm talking about you, Y-O-U, your sins are not forgiven. You see, the blood is sufficient for forgiveness. Did you get that? The blood is sufficient for forgiveness for all, but only effective for believers. Did you get that? It's sufficient for all, but only effective for believers. It's efficient for all, but only effective for believers. Amen, somebody. I got to say it one more time. The blood is sufficient. I said the blood is sufficient. The blood is sufficient. Did you get that, my brothers and sisters? The blood is sufficient for forgiveness for all, but only effective for those who Amen. Look at that. Y'all got that. Y'all got that. Listen, I'm talking about the blood of Jesus. It's flowing every second, minute, hour, and day. But unless you confess, you will continue to be lost in your mess. For I'm, I, I, listen, I'm about to wrap this thing up, but uh, you see, I, I cannot skip over the last two lessons that Jesus taught the disciples after they had finished their meal, Jesus, it tells me that Jesus got up from the table. I, I need you to understand this. Uh, filled the basin with water, and then he began to wash the disciples' feet. Uh, 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 I need you to understand this. They tell me Jesus took off some of his garment. Y'all know how he did that. He took off some of his garment, and then they said he girded himself. I, I need you to get this because this is what God has been speaking. I, I was preaching this thing in my shower. I was preaching it on the treadmill over at Planet Fitness, but uh, but uh, they, they tell me that uh, he, he, he girded himself with the towel, and then uh, this is what Jesus did. Uh, I, I need you to walk with me for a minute because I got to tell you how Jesus did this thing. They told me after he girded himself with the towel, he took the wash basin and, uh, and, and, and he took he took the pitcher and the wash basin. I don't want you to miss this, Good Hope, because there's a significance in what I'm about to do here. He put the wash basin, and then he came down, and I have to believe this is the Spirit was speaking to me. I said, Lord, uh, you are so humble. He's talking about his humility and his actions. Uh, uh, here it is. I had to say, well, out of the 12 disciples, which one of the disciples 
feet where you're going to wash first. Now, I couldn't find it anywhere, Dr. Williams or Dr. Pickett, where they said they, they named. So I just surmised by myself when I'm thinking how I would have did. Jesus got down, and the first person he would have got to would have been Peter because he knew Peter was going to deny him. So the first person he did, he, he took off the sandals. I said he took off the sandals of Peter. Yes, he took Peter's sandals off. Uh, I can see him taking Peter's sandals off, and he took Peter's sandals off, and he had his towel, and he took his towel. I, I, I'm just going to pour a little bit of water in the basin here. He, he poured the water in the basin, uh, talking to Peter. Now, Peter didn't want him to initially wash his feet, but he had to tell Peter, if this don't happen, I'm going to paraphrase it. You need to get on away from me. So Peter told him, uh, that Peter said, well, then wash my whole body. God, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you what he did. He dipped, he dipped the towel in and he began to wash Peter's feet. I, I have to understand now, now because he knew he, and then I, I, after he watched Peter's feet, that was the denial. My second thought was he came, he came to Thomas, old doubting Thomas, and when he got down to Thomas' feet, I, he began to dip it in the water, and he washed Thomas' feet, but then there's some things that happened I, when he got to Judas. That thing messed me up. I said, Lord, uh, can you imagine? I need you to walk this thing out with me. He's sitting here on his knees, and Judas looking at him, and I, the thing told me he reached in, and he washed Peter's feet, but then this is what happened. I said, uh, I saw him. I told Pastor Pickett, I said, uh, I just imagine Jesus looking up at Peter. I mean, at Judas, knowing Judas was going to betray him. But what he saw, this is what he saw. He saw nothing but love. 